Cool. All right, well, you want to get started? Let's do so. All right. <clears throat> what are you drinking? Piss. Just water. Oh, just you met him. Oh. I'm just, I, I try to stay hydrated. So That's smart. That's you smart. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Just the cup. It made it seem like some kind of weird energy drink. It's a Star Wars uh, solo cup. Oh, okay. I went to, uh, old one. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not that old, actually. I guess they don't make cups like they used to. But, guess not. Um, <laughs> You know, I, this is when I, I got this when I, I went to go see Star Wars uh, Solo. So did, you camp, did you camp out the theater? No, no. No, I know. Okay. I, 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 every time I go see a Star Wars, you don't need to camp. So I, I just, whatever. He just, <laughs> uses, he just uses the force. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. Welcome to Meet the Pressers. I'm Matt Mallory, and this is my esteemed co-host, Clint Macro. This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of TheLawOfSelfDefense.com, Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, The Safer, Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you. Our special guest today is Andy Lander. Andy uh, has uh, actually been pivotal, pivotal in my professional development as well as Matt's. Yep. Andy was one of the first people in, on a national scene that saw potential in, in me. And I want to thank you for that, Andy. Andy had worked for many years in training and education at NRA. Uh, he's uh, the one of the board members of Save the Second. Uh, you worked at Green Ops for a while as an instructor. Are you still working with Green Ops? No, I'm not. Okay. Kind of, kind of left Green Ops and uh, was trying with a new company, and then uh, I'm kind of out on my own right now. So, okay. yeah. All right. Well, there, I just rattled off a few things. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now, as far as uh, life in your career. <clears throat> uh, right now, I'm a uh, full-time fire instructor slash uh, instructor, uh, uh, subcontractor for the federal government. Uh, I, we have uh, officers uh, that uh, guard federal buildings um, in uh, Washington, D.C. and all over the country. Uh, right now, we're, the company I work for is the largest provider of armed security to the federal government. Uh, we teach everything from firearms to baton to OC to uh, what's called national weapons detection, which is basically uh, how to look for bombs, explosives that are coming into federal buildings. Uh, we teach defensive tactics. We teach handcuffing. We teach first aid, Red Cross. Uh, we do a little bit of T Triple C type stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we are. We are. I'm a full time instructor. That's awesome. And uh, every day I go to work, I'm I'm I'm, I'm teaching something. You know, I'm teaching. Um, usually, my 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 thing is I'm on the range in the national capital region, and I'm I'm qualifying officers that are protecting uh, federal sites. Uh, lately, it's been a lot of uh, national weapons detection, uh, because right now that's probably the biggest thing that's in demand for the uh, federal government. Mm -hmm. Now, so. if you told us, like specifically what company you work for, you'd have to kill us. So, so don't do that. But, um, and that's, that's full time. You're doing that full time with them for the 
Yes, I yes I am. It, it's it's a forty hour week. Most of the time, it's more than that. I mean, you know, um, what was great about NRA working for NRA and becoming an NRA basic certified instructor is you know, teaching you simple things, how to prepare for classes, what paperwork you need. And, yep. and, uh, when you do this full time, uh, that's everything, everything that they talk about in NRA is, um, is real when you get mm -hmm. out into the real world and you're doing this for a living. So paperwork, uh, keeping records, uh, documenting all that stuff. It's like, a, it's annoying, but, uh, it's, it's a have to. So, you know, people, um, People talk about, you know, oh my gosh, why do I have to do this paperwork? Well, there's a reason. <laughs> there's a big reason. So I've had to do a number of reports on officers that got hurt or, you know, I mean, everything from, I mean, if, if an officer gets a paper cut, we have to write literally a three-page document on, on what happened because they have certain insurances that cover that. And uh, if an officer hurts himself going down to a kneeling position or something like that, we have to write a a huge report who, what, when, where, and why, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy, but, um, I've gotten pretty good at it. And I, I will say my time working for NRA really prepared me for everything that I was, uh, that I'm doing now. Cause, uh, to me, it's cake. I mean, it's literally awesome. cake. So is there anything specifically that you teach there that you've had to get more training on in order to, to be a little bit more well-rounded or did you have experience in, in everything that they're offering? Because some of the stuff you had mentioned, I teach myself and I know in the beginning when I had clients approach me about teaching certain things, I wanted to get a national certification. So I went out and got my app, ASP instructor certification, my Safari Land instructor certification on baton and handcuffing and all that stuff. I'm a New York State DCGS MPTC certified law enforcement instructors. So all of that came into that. Have you, uh, have you done any other training or other things before or after the NRA that prepared you for the position that you're in now? Yeah, I went down to Fletzy. Uh, my, my thing is, um, I really like teaching firearms, but also mm -hmm. I really like teaching national weapons detection. Um, that is something that you can, I mean, we're, we're talking about people that are trying to sneak things into buildings. Um, I mean, I've got videos that I can't show you, but, uh, of officers that literally, um, guys walk into buildings and, 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 and just pull out a handgun, shoot officers in the head and kill them. Uh, you're in, in up in New York actually is where, where that, where one of that main, main incidents was, mm -hmm. um, you know, teaching how often it's a lot of common sense, but, but honestly, today's world, there's not a lot of common sense out there. So teaching th simple things, um, you know, um, what do you do if you find a, I mean, there's a big difference between if, uh, if a guy's walking in with a, with a pocket knife, you know, pocket knife that he has in a little clip on pocket and all of a sudden he walks in, you, you know, our officers oh, supposed to say, you know, um, you know, we're looking for weapons and explosives. Do you have any on you today? And they have a knife clipped in their pocket versus all of a sudden you find a, a you know, a big old pig sticker coming out of their, uh, coming out of their boot. You know, how do you react? Um, you know, things like bombs, uh, what makes up a bomb? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that make up a bomb. Uh, you can easily mm -hmm. get bomb components and things like that. And, uh, you know, things that are simple to people, like, why do I care if a guy sneaks one round of nine millimeter in the building or forgets? Well, it matters. Um, you know, all of a sudden that guy, um, the, the machines that, that, that are used, the metal detectors, um, you know, my record is getting 19 rounds of nine millimeter into one building. Uh, cause we have to do penetration tests. We have to actually go in where the officers are working. We have to pretend to get like items in and things like that. My record is getting in 19 rounds of nine millimeter on one machine. Those machines are calibrated differently. So 
Yep. Um, the officers always look at me and they go, well, why does it matter? The guy had three rounds of nine millimeter. I'm like, yeah, well, what kind of gun do you carry? Yep. Uh, I carry Glock 17. And I said, well, that guy just, you know, for every day he's brought in one round of nine millimeter. And uh, he's done that for the last two months. And he, and he came up to you harmlessly and said, hey, what kind of gun do you carry? And you just said, oh, I carry a Glock 17. Yep. Well, all of a sudden he snuck in a couple springs and he snuck in a couple magazine bodies. All he's got to do is find out when you're roving. Of course, he can just easily watch you when you go on a roving by yourself, hit you over the head, and suddenly he's got a Glock 17. He's got 18 rounds of 9mm uh, magazines that he can just go around and do whatever he wants to do. So um, I really like teaching that program. It's, 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 it's an eye-opener for a lot of folks um, because a lot of people, you know, look at stuff and they – and it's so funny because when I go to airports now, I used to hate TSA and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys suck. And now <laughs> I feel bad for them because, yeah. you know, I hear so many, oh my gosh, why do these people complain? Because I had a, a I had a, I had a bottle of water. Well, a bottle of water under x-ray looks exactly like a, um, a, uh, uh, a liquid binary explosive, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, things like that. So, uh, I mean, the x-ray machines that they use at TSA are the exact same ones we use at, at, at work. And yep. um, the x-ray machines only see really in five colors. They see in green, blue, and orange, and uh, black and white. And, you know, orange is, quote, organic. Uh, green is inorganic, and blue is metals. And people always say, well, oh, my gosh, they went into my bag, and they, they were looking for my, you know, they, so they found my turkey sandwich. Well, yeah, your turkey sandwich looks a lot like a freaking stick of C4, whether yep. you know it or not. Line so, of C4. Yep. Um, I mean, it's 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 funny because. Um, so with my know, bag of apples that got me detained for a few minutes one time in uh, where was that? Uh, Milwaukee. Would that have looked like grenades or something? Yeah, that shows up as an orange organic. That's okay. a that's uh, basically all explosives show up as orange. Okay. So um, now the the people. The X-ray machine works in, they say organic and organics. Uh, organic would be an example of C4, but it's also an example of an apple, okay? Inorganic would be an example of salt, okay? Or aluminum, which is funny because that's not inorganic, that's a metal. But the machine doesn't actually see, in, uh, as far as inorganic, organic, it sees in density. So if you look at uh, like a high-dense material, like a metal, it's going to show up as blue. So if you have a knife blade, it shows up as blue. But if you have a... A, a tuna can, which is aluminum, is going to show up as green. If you have glass, that's going to show up as green. A lot of people say, well, what, what's wrong with glass? Well, glass is a, is a component of shrapnel. I mean, that's, you know, um, that's going to, that could be something that if it does go off. So if you've got an orange, a green, and a bunch of wires, like headphones, and yeah. you have um, a, a cell phone in there, that's, that's a bomb. I mean, that yeah. literally looks like a bomb under x-ray. Um, so, you know, we teach our officers to look for the four components, what's called PIES, the power initiator, explosive and switch power being like a battery. I mean, a watch battery initiator would be a blasting right. cap and an explosive is any orange material, anything orange. And that's an apple. That's an orange. Right. That's a piece of candy. That's, uh, um, a bottle of water. That's, that's pretty much anything. And then switch could be something as simple as a mousetrap. So, hmm. um, you know, you hear all these people that always complain is, oh my gosh, they found my bushel of apples. Yeah. yeah, because most people don't walk onto an airplane with a bushel of apples. Right. Yeah, no I offense, see. Clint. So, <laughs> right. um, it was a bag. It wasn't a bushel. But I see your point. Yeah, I so, think part of the problem is, too, most average, everyday, law-abiding gun owners, which are usually the people that bitch about this kind of stuff, uh, we don't think like the bad guys, right? So we wouldn't think, oh, well, this would be something I'd want to bring in or I would like to or use as a, as a tool of 
of aggression, you know. I think that's that's part of it too. But in contrary, I mean that's that's exactly what you're trying to teach these officers is to yeah. think like the bad guys. Yeah, that's well, what's what's funny in that aspect is people are pretty boring. Uh, you go into a federal building and a lady puts down her purse. What's really funny is everybody has the same items in their purse. Everybody has the same items in a bag. Everybody has the same items in a briefcase, whether it's a change purse, whether it's a, I mean, I hate to say this, a lady drops her purse on the bin. You see an umbrella, you see um, maxi pads or, or tampons. tampons, you see change purse, you see um, possibly something looks like candy. You see car keys. So literally everybody's boring because we all have the same stuff. So if you come up to the machine and you drop an, a bunch of apples or something <laughs> on the machine, it looks different. So, um, you know, we don't teach our officers to look for bad stuff. What we teach our officers is, is to look for everything. You have to be able to identify mm-hmm. everything in that bag. And if all of a sudden, if it's out of the norm, like a, like a bag of apples, <laughs> I hate to say that, Clint, but if you, if you drop a bag of apples, they're going to be like, uh, what's that? And then they have to go in there and say, oh, that's a bag of apples. It's not they're, they're giving you crap because you have a bag of apples. It's, they don't see that every five minutes. But, you know, for a guy that's coming in, they see, uh, they see the same thing over and over again. And it's that all of a sudden something out of the ordinary that they look at and say, oh, this is different. And a lot of times we teach our officers that, you know, if you can't identify something, you've got to go figure out what it is. One, so when the next person comes in, you can actually say, I know what that is, or, um, you know, and, and, and these officers only get about 16 to, uh, TSA, I think it's 40 hours of training, which actually isn't a lot. No. Uh, our officers get about 16 hours, uh, probably four of that is on x-ray. So, um, and they're only working with the items that we have on, on, on hand. So, um, that's a cool program because it, uh, it does a lot of good and it's, um, it's pretty interesting. So. I think TSA came out with a study. They said that they, um, they're they're wrong or they miss 95% of the stuff or something to that extent. I guess I, I thought TSA actually put that out themselves. Yeah. It goes to training, right? More training. They missed my, well, I was going to say they uh, missed my baton on the way down to Orlando last in this past June. And then they caught it on my, on the way back. I had my, I had my uh, ASP friction baton, my duty baton in the bag as I had got done recertifying as an ASP instructor in Buffalo, New York and flew right from Buffalo to Orlando. And they missed it on the way down, but caught it on the way back. Yeah. I mean, TSA, uh, from what I understand, those guys are only supposed to be looking at, looking at that screen for like 15 minutes, you know, and then they have to rotate. So you imagine you have an officer that's on that post for an hour or TSA guy and, and he's just mundanely looking at, I mean, you look at bag after bag after bag. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting bored and you're just going to let things through and, and things like that. I mean, um, in our case, we've had people stop people for CDs and stuff like that because they didn't know what they were. So, um, you know, I wouldn't blame the person. I mean, the person that's at the machine is literally doing their job. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the problem is most right. people. I had a guy up in New York. It was funny. I was down in Manhattan and the guy lost his crap because the officer told him to take his shoes off and put them on the x-ray machine. The guy just blew. I mean, he was a lawyer. And I literally looked at the guy and I didn't want I didn't say anything, but I'm literally just like I wanted to point down the street and say, you know, three blocks from here, there were two huge buildings that were brought down by guys in airplanes with box cutters. And America forgets and, you know, anyway, I'll get off that soapbox. No, it's, it's good. Good. A good point with that. Sometimes you got to sink back to our can't control everything and how we handle what we can't control dictates our character or shows our character. 
That was good. That's going to meme. That should. That's a t-shirt right there. That's like, <laughs> that's like Yoda Kung Fu stuff. I got to write that down or I'll forget. Wait, it's recorded. Yeah. So that's interesting. Cause you know, when you talk about the amount of training that people get too, you know, it, it depends also not only is boredom a factor and like maybe how long the line is with TSA, but also yeah, just how long have they been doing, doing the, doing the gig? I mean, you know, true expertise is gained through on the job training and, you know, you can't expect every single person to be as proficient at their job with just a standard amount of training. Like they have to continue to do it and get better. As you said, been there, done that, seen that. Mm -hmm. They've seen that before, then they're probably more likely to identify it the second time around. Yeah. I mean, our officers that stay in post and stuff like that, they're only supposed to be armed on duty for um, uh, no more than 12 hours. And I've, I've walked on a post and I've looked at guys and I said, how long have you been on post? And they said, 20 hours. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, life happens. True. Yeah. So. I think that's a poster or a, a bumper sticker. Or a yeah. <laughs> there's this, there's this attorney in our area and it's, uh, his last name's Schmidt. So it's Schmidt happened. Oh, I see. That's clever. Very clever. <laughs> Hi, this is Carrie Sloan from we, the female, and you are watching meet the pressers where Matt and Clint didn't even have to edit my potty mouth before publishing my interview. Meet the pressers. Save the second came about, um, uh, early in, uh, or excuse me, late, um, May when, uh, there were some issues going on with the NRA as far as, um, board members, uh, resigning and, and, uh, and, and some issues with, you know, people being accused of things and, uh, things like that. Save the second is actually an organization that's looking for, um, uh, basically to hold the NRA accountable and then be able to say, look, you know, you have a job to do and, and you need to do it. Um, uh, I got I got kind of tied up with a gentleman named Rob Pincus, who's a very well-known fire instructor, and uh, two other guys, Ron Carter, Anthony Garcia, uh, another gentleman, Steve Hoback, who who decided to step down from the board. But um, uh, I worked with Steve at NRA uh, for for a few years, and uh, Save the Seconds literally a kind of a watchdog group as far as trying to hold NRA accountable for what they're doing, and um, it's uh, it's kind of taken off. It's it's literally exploded. We've had a lot of people following us. We've had a lot of articles written about us. We've had um, we've been in some major major um, publications. And um, um, but our goals is to basically reform the NRA. Um, we we need to reduce the board size in the NRA. I mean, if Definitely. you look at the NRA board, you have seventy six board members. Um, and if you look at any other organization, that's way too mm -hmm. big. Uh, you know, that's just way too big. It's almost gotten to the point where uh, it's gotten so big that the reason why it's gotten big is so it doesn't actually interfere with what's going on at the top. I mean, name me another organization where the guy in charge isn't in charge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the president of the NRA mm -hmm. who's not, who's not in charge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, you know, Oliver North was the president. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Oliver North was the president and, uh, Basically, he went to Wayne LaPierre, the XO, and said, hey, we're going to do this a little different. And Wayne said, no, we're not. See you. You know, you're gone. Bye. Um, and the NRA is an organization that's supposed to be run by the board. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. the members, the members of the association elect the board. And then the board is supposed to speak on your behalf as a member. And mm -hmm. uh, right now it's gotten to the point where um, you have uh, members – electing board uh, electing board members whether they 
they know what's going on or they elect somebody because they're just well known or they're a mm-hmm. famous athlete or something like that and and uh, all of a sudden you have this uh, recipe where nothing's getting done um and uh, it's just become a a uh, an area where the guys at the top are just literally getting i'd say this filthy rich and uh not doing anything and and um and using and saying well i've been doing this for 40 years you should let me continue to do it well it's great yeah what you did 20 years ago was outstanding but what are you doing for us now i mean look what's going on in virginia uh, Virginia, the NRA headquarters in Virginia, and all of a sudden you have all this stuff that got passed, or excuse me, all these people got elected. It's, it's going to turn into a mini California. <laughs> NRA's home headquarters is in Virginia, and uh, the NRA is literally, I, I said this on a podcast last night, they're literally whittling sticks for their marshmallows. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. We're all, all of us here today, and, and many other Americans across the country, we we've have a lot of respect for what the NRA has done in the past. And we all, each of us here, you especially have a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and personal investment in that organization. And so ultimately we want to see that organization come out stronger at the other side. But, um, you know, I can speak specifically here in Pennsylvania from as far as uh, second amendment advocacy is concerned, the NRA has not been very helpful here. Uh, and in some cases has been a, a, a problem and uh, so, you know, as, as new leadership gets in place, whatever that is, you know, whatever department in NRA we're speaking of, hopefully they'll, we'll have an opportunity to like work together uh, and move things forward as opposed to just being pushed off. But you're, yeah. it's interesting what you said about in Virginia. There, in Virginia, there were not really any good Republican candidates, or I shouldn't even just say Republican. There weren't any pro-gun, pro-liberty candidates uh, that were, were being pushed. And that's in their backyard, you know. Like, if if I want to help fix my my friend's house if it's on fire, I need to make sure my house isn't on fire. Otherwise, right. my my hose won't hook up to the side of the house, right? So you got to pay attention to what's going on in your backyard. And for an organization that is largely, at least in the media, you know, and a uh, legislative watchdog to use that term, I'm surprised that that was able to take place without a huge fight from Fairfax in your in your uh, state yeah um i mean I, I think a lot of stuff's going on right now um with the organization financially um and i think that had a big play to go with it but the other thing is the, the nra has always done a very good job at trying to push out other organizations you know like hey we're the big dog on the group i mean virginia citizens defense league i'm never i've never been a fan I've, no, I, I've never been a fan of Genesis Feds League. I, I've never liked the people that, that have kind of run that organization. But I'll tell you right now, they're doing a lot. I mean, as far as they're doing more than the NRA is. I mean, the NRA shows up and they're they're literally like, what do we do? You know, it's it's they're putting people on the ground. They're taking mm-hmm. people to lobby day. They're doing all this other stuff. And you have these other organizations that the NRA is just like, oh, well, you know, we are the Second Amendment. Uh, no, mm. no, that's, Second that's not how this works. Second Amendment. Um, <laughs> You know, the NRA, uh, my time there spent, um, I, I loved it. I met some people that I, you know, most people would never could even say that they would ever have interacted with. Um, I, I love my coworkers. Well, with some exception, but, um, um, you know, I definitely towards the end saw some stuff that I just didn't agree with. And, um, and uh, I had to leave. And, uh, you know, when I when I left, um, I can tell you right now, I, I remember going to people's offices, uh, 
not from education training, but I, there was, there were lawyers that I walked into his office and, and, uh, they cried and I cried with them. And I was like, you know, it's not, you know, they, they were upset that I was leaving, but I'm upset because I knew what I was leaving. Um, I was leaving behind and that the things were going to go downhill. And, um, um, I, I, I do really believe in the organization. I don't believe in the people that are running it period. That's well, it. Uh, your tattoo was the, uh, was the, uh, uh, what, what made me decide on the trigger pressers ta uh, logo. That was kind of like the start, nice. the inspiration, the bolt face. I thought that was the coolest thing when I saw it. Like he got a bolt face. He must really love ARs. And I thought, Hmm, this is kind of cool. Maybe I could make a logo based around a bolt face. And although my logo is not quite a bolt face, that's kind of what it represents. And I did, appreciate did I ever tell you, did I ever tell you my Uber story on that? No. Uh oh. <laughs> so, uh, so when I was at NRA, uh, needed some money because uh, NRA didn't pay that well. I started driving for Uber, and um, I was picking people up. And um, you know, this was actually when Uber had their policy: you can't have any armed drivers or anything like that. But of course, it's Andy. You know, I'm going to have a Glock 26 <laughs> on my ankle. I'm going to have another gun in my you know side. Kept an AR in the back. Uh, you know, I'm not kidding. It's not kidding. Wow. And, uh, I, I'm dry and I used to play this game. It was, uh, see if I can get home without having to pick up a rider. You know, that was literally my game and it never worked out. I never made it home. I always had to turn off Uber. Anyway, so I was leaving NRA one day and I got a hit, go over to the movie theater, pick up, pick up some people. So I, I went over there and, uh, these, these two men and, and a lady get in the car and they say, we're going to DC. And I just literally looked over and I said, I, I can't take you to DC. <laughs> and they said, why not? You're Uber. I said, I, I cannot take you to the, the District of Columbia. I'm sorry. And that's one of the, my, my cries with Uber is the fact that when you're a driver, they don't tell you where the end destination is. Mm. They just tell you, pick somebody up and, and go and, and take them somewhere. I said, look, I can't take you to DC. And the guy sitting next to me was like, he was like, why can't you take us to DC? I said, like, I just can't. I, I can't take you there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Find another Uber driver, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden he saw my, he saw my, uh, my tattoo. Uh, hold on. He saw my tattoo and he goes, is that a bold face? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> and he was like, uh, he goes, no, I, I just built a 300 blackout. I know what a bold face is. And I said, I, I'm like sitting there going, running through my head going, I got to come up with some story. I got to come up with some story. Yeah. What, what do I say? And it's, I said, it's no, it's not. Man. I said, no, it's not a bull. Well, if it's not a bull face, what is it? I said, um, a bull face. my great, 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 great grandfather <laughs> was a watch builder. Oh, and geez. he designed, he designed this uh, to work on some pocket watches and it made my family a lot of money. And <laughs> I got it tattooed there because I like my great, 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 great grandfather. And he looked at me, he goes, you're full of shit. I, said, I can't take you to DC. I'm sorry, get out of my car. That was the last time I ever drove for Uber. Yeah, um, and that was like, that was, I think my fourth ride. But um, oh, wow. yeah, that was, that was that's that's, true, definitely that's, a true story. Thanks for watching Meet the Pressers. This has been an awesome time. And with an awesome guest, Andy Lander, glad to catch up with you, Andy. And, oh. How many guns you got sitting next to you, brother? That's the Third my, one, fourth one. My heart just, well, I brought mine out, so it's his second that he showed us. My heart just uh, Twitter-pated. Hey, Twitter watch, that, watch that muzzle. <laughs> I am. I, I absolutely am. Pointed it's at very, us. 
Yeah, this camera is being run remote. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's funny. When I went to USCCA and I, I recorded those videos with Kevin, some of the muzzles were at the camera, and I'm like, that feels comfortable on this end. But watching it, it's kind of like, you know, trying to move out of the muzzle. Yeah. But, you know, what's funny is I don't know if you recognize this. Um, I picked this up a, uh, about a half a year ago. This mm -hmm. is a, uh, a California Highway Patrol uh, 4006 uh, Smith & Wesson uh tactical smith and wesson it's an all steel gun it's um it's a uh, decocker only see that so it's like a sig but uh no I, I i don't know why this is my actual home defense gun um i, I just thought i would interrupt you while you were doing no things. that's that's fine <laughs> that's fine i'll pull mine out oh we're anyway. gonna play show and tell yeah. anyway right. awesome having you on andy and good catching up with you yeah. For sure. Thanks for coming Thanks. on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime oh. I can do anything for you, let me know. Likewise. Will do. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. No problem. Yeah. Stay safe. You Keep, too. Look forward to hearing hearing about your uh, your pup and how he's doing. He's doing he's doing well. He's like I said, he got out this morning. He was trying to run around. I'm like, you're we got a surgery. You can't be doing that. So <laughs> Amen. Anyway. All right. Stay safe, brother. You too. Bye. 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 We have a lot of sponsors that made this show possible. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. Perfect. Perfect. Good. All right. Okay. This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of thelawofselfdefense.com, Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, the Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you. Thanks for watching the show. <laughs> oh, let me just do what that. are we doing thanks for watching the show then you do the be sure you click the bell and all that okay other show. okay good thanks for watching the show make sure you like subscribe share and click that little bell to make sure you know when our next episode's uploaded until next time adieu <laughs> that's good that's yeah. good i like it for watching meet the pressers 